Thank you, men, for ministering in music. Appreciate it. In light of the message of the song, a vital part of walking close to the Lord is the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ on a local level as well as on a worldwide level. I'm going to pray together as we then will continue discussing the body of Christ. Father, we thank you that you began a work in us. You continue that work. And it's our desire to be sensitive to you. And in being sensitive to you, we know that the head, Christ, is our life. We also need the body, other believers, so that we can be walking close to you. We want to be attentive hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. There's one word that can drive parents crazy, and that is the word, why? If you're asked why one time as a parent, you're probably asked hundreds of times by the time your kids grow up. But apparently the Lord made humans with a need to know the reason behind certain items. Thus, reasons are frequently shared in Scripture. In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, Adam is told why he is not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Israel was told to have no idols in any form. Why? I am the Lord your God, and I'm a jealous God. Israel was not to follow any of the gods in the promised land. Why? They would lead Israel astray. As we move into our teen years, we ask why. As young adults, many times, why? As adults, we can ask why. Why and the answers that are given can enable us to develop strong convictions. So this morning, we want to ask and answer a question, why? Be committed to a local body of believers. I didn't say why join or why be a member. I'm not talking that. I'm talking why be committed to a local body of believers. In grace, the Lord communicates to us the reasons why being committed to a local body of believers can be good. At the core, I think we need to understand that our salvation Regeneration, reconciliation provides a relationship with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, but does not remove our struggle with sin. We come into a relationship with God, into a relationship with Christ, into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but we still battle with sin. Repeatedly, the writers of Scripture talk about applying the victory that has been provided in Christ as we put off and put on. Before our relationship with Christ, with God, with the Holy Spirit, we were slaves of sin. Thus the need for a Savior. After coming into a relationship with God, Christ and the Holy Spirit, we need to be dependent upon them. 
or we quickly drift from Christ. We as believers are described as sheep in Scripture. So we're prone to wonder. We're prone to be stubborn. We're prone to face enemies. And we lack direction. Also, as we think about the local body of believers, the body of Christ, it's important to keep in mind that we're in a war while we're on this side of eternity. We're in a battle. And that battle involves Satan and his demons. Again, the victory has been provided, but we are in a battle. It involves the world system, the pattern of thought that lets God out. And it involves the sinful nature with which we continue to battle. And I would encourage you to recognize that as we battle, we're not to be islands. We're not to be trying to make it alone. Because God did not design us that way. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Chapters 1 through 2 and 3 talks about being in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, he talks about living that out and day by day living in our relationships with other believers and family on the job and so on. But he begins the epistle... In Ephesians 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, writing to saints, in verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So they have come into a relationship with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. He addresses them as saints. He desires grace and peace for them. And then in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he talks over and over again about in Christ, in Christ. The redemption, the forgiveness, the adoption that is in Christ. In chapter 4, in verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Part of living worthy of the calling you have received involves relating to believers. Talks about making the effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace and so on. But skip down to verse 14 of chapter 4. Then we will no longer be infants. The then is in the context of God giving gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers, who've been given to men, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And as the body does its work, he says, then we will be no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each work does its part. Talking about maturing, speaking the truth in love, the whole body joined and held together, and each part doing its work. In essence, we could say in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he's talking about the body of Christ at large. 
In Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, he addresses the body of Christ specifically in Ephesus. However, the body was structured there. And as you look at the book of Ephesians overall, commitment to a local body of believers is the outward expression of being a member of the body of Christ at large and being yielded to Christ as the head of the body. Or being committed to one another is the outward expression of being committed to Christ, being committed to the head. That is demonstrated in being committed to a local body. And Acts, the epistles, make that assumption over and over again. The body is designed to be dependent upon one another. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's writing to a carnal church. They're still called saints. They're still called sanctified. They were a divided church. Some were following Paul, some Peter, some Apollos, and then some said, well, we follow Christ. They had immorality in the church. They had, apparently were having some lawsuits, taking each other to court. Apparently there were some marital difficulties and so on. But in chapter 5, Paul addresses what is an immoral issue in the church in Corinth. And if you study the background of the city of Corinth, it was apparently a quite immoral city. And he says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 5, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has had his father's wife. And it depends on who you read, but some people think that it would be a man was involved sexually with his stepmother. Verse 2, and you are proud. Apparently the church was proud that they could tolerate this. And he goes on, shouldn't you have rather been filled with grief and have put, on your, or put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And I've already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit and in the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. And he goes on to encourage them that they should judge this man and they should put him out of their fellowship. Now I want you to notice in verse 5, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and by his spirit and his spirit saved in the day of the Lord. Paul is treating the man as a believer and saying, put this man out of the church so that he is in, in essence, Satan's domain and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. And as you read 2 Corinthians, it would almost appear as though the man did repent, 
And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, you know, forgive the man and restore the man. And the purpose is not vindictive, but taking the man who is part of a local fellowship of believers and putting him outside the local fellowship of believers. And apparently that in some way, shape, or form gives Satan some type of reign or freedom that he did not have otherwise. And tying that in with the context of being committed to local church, being committed to local church provides a protection from the enemy. I'm not saying total protection, but in some way. First Corinthians chapter 5, and if we took time to discuss it, there's a man, part of a body. The body takes him and says, you're no longer going to be part of us. The enemy, Satan, has opportunity, you'd say, work on him in a different way with an intent that his spirit would be saved on the day of the Lord. Apparently, there's a degree of protection that comes from, from being part of, being committed to a local body of believers. A believer on his or her own is in a different domain than being involved with a body. I think of a number of individuals that I have loved who have drifted from God Drifted from the body, have lost testimony to their children. Grandchildren are not really interested in God. There's a loss of direction in relational trials. Any root of bitterness has sprung up. The body is important. In light of the body, go back to Ephesians if you would. A third reason for commitment to a local body is that it demonstrates we understand we're dependent upon Christ and other believers rather than being self-sufficient. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 19, again in the context of being in Christ, consequently you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of the of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. No longer foreigners and aliens, fellow citizens, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the body joined and held together, and you know it rises to become a holy temple. Earlier we read from chapter 4 of Ephesians, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament as it grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. We need the encouragement of other believers. We need the rebuke of other believers. We need the correction of other believers. We need the prayer of other believers. We're dependent upon one another. We demonstrate that. 
through a local body. One day this week, someone gave me a call, and well, this week there was more than one. And one day there's three or four people gave me a call and just said, Pastor, I'm calling you because I want you to pray for me. And they gave me some specific things to pray for. What are they saying? I'm dependent. In this case, they talked to me as a shepherd. And I prayed. One day last week, I was called someone because it was knew I was going to be facing. And I said, pray for me. We need that. We're dependent upon one another. Not only for prayer, but for the encouragement. For the just coming alongside of. Walking through trials together, keeping perspective in our joys, and keeping a focus on Christ. Also, as we'll find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, God has designed the local body. We already looked at some of the scriptures in relation to number 3, but we want to look at number 4 in 1 Thessalonians. It provides the security and protection, guidance, and care believers need to mature through church leaders. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's defending his ministry in 1 Thessalonians. Apparently some people were saying some bad things about him, and he explains who he is, defends himself. And then in chapter 5 and verse 12, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So as he comes to the conclusion of the book, he writes to the Thessalonians and he says, respect those who work hard among you. Who are they? Who are over you in the Lord? And they admonish you. They try to keep you going in the correct direction. And he says, respect them. They're over you. They admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love. Acts 20 talks about leaders caring for the flock. We read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 4 would talk about the same thing as leaders keep to keep to seek to care for the flock. We find that presented in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Sheep need a shepherd or shepherds. Natural or sheep in the physical realm wander. They get lost They go through all kinds of difficulties. They experience various enemies and diseases. They need a shepherd. And believers, as believers, we're referred to as sheep. We need that care and protection that shepherds can bring. 
And that obviously makes an assumption that shepherds are seeking to be shepherds and caring for sheep. And sheep are willing to be cared for and ministered to. Hebrews 13 and verse 17, just listen as I read, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be a no advantage to you. Sheep that are not connected to local leaders will tend to wonder, experience difficulties, and so on that they may not experience otherwise. There's a song, I don't remember the name of the song. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. And as you look at the history of humans, beginning with Adam and Eve, there has been a proneness to wonder. And that's why God had the shepherds of Israel were the care for sheep, care for the people. And God quite often confronts them and says, you're not doing that correctly in the proper way. We come to the New Testament. And he tells us that we still remain sheep and we need leadership, someone who will guide us and direct us. You will find the same in 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says to those who lead the flock that they are to lead. They're to care for sheep. They're to shepherd them but not because they have to, but because they want to or are willing, not because they're greedy for money, but to be an example to the flock. One of the great needs in all of our lives, and I'm including myself, is to admit that we're sheep. And we're prone to wonder. There's enemies that will attack us. And we get in trouble when we go at it alone. Trust me, I know too well from my own life. There's a fifth reason why God would say it's valuable to be committed to a local body of believers. It provides the soil, the nutrients, if you please, the foundation for a healthy, growing, maturing, changing daily life. We looked at Ephesians 4 earlier where he talked about God giving to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for what purpose? To mend the saints so that the saints can be active in daily life in their respective jobs and schools and caring for one another and so on. And the body being built up in love. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're not going to read the chapter, but there he talks about the fact that in the last day, in the last times there will be difficult times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money and so on. He talks about the fact that people will try to worm their way into homes, you know, with incorrect teaching. And then Paul says, but you know about my life. 
you know, my doctrine and how I lived. And then he concludes chapter 3 with all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. And then he exhorts Timothy to minister the word of God. God did not design us to be islands. You ever stop and think about the God, fact that God is not an island? We have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God did not create one person. He created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were to fill the earth. Parents caring for children. And you find as you go throughout Scripture, God designed Israel. The nation needed one another. Today we live in what we call the church age. The body needs one another so that we can be healthy, growing, maturing in our walk with Christ day by day. We don't do well alone. We need others. We may experience a conflict. We need someone to walk through us, through it with us. We're going through a good time. We need someone to walk through that with us so that they can rejoice with us and keep us on track so we don't be consumed by the joy, but we still keep are consumed with Christ. We have a relational struggle. We need someone to come alongside us and care for us. Another pastor in our area, Glenn Neely, who recently had open heart surgery. And he had shared that, you know, he was having some difficulties and when they told me he was going to have a heart cath and the day at his heart cath, talked to him and he said, you know, I was expecting a couple of stents, but I wasn't expecting to have 100% blockage and 90% and an 80% blockage. I'm scheduled for open heart surgery tomorrow. And then he said something very interesting to me. He said, you know, Dan, I need a pastor as I walk through this. A shepherd saying, I'm a sheep. <laughs> I need someone to walk through this with me. We need one another. Sheep or shepherd, we need one another to grow, to mature, just to walk with Christ. And we may stumble, stumble along the way and we may have difficulty, but join the crowd. Look at the life of Moses. Look at the life of David. Look at the life of some of the leaders in Israel. Look at the 12 men who Christ chose and the 11 of them who distanced themselves from even knowing Christ. But God in grace continued to work in their lives. We need one another as we seek to follow Christ. We'll share the account without giving the name of an older saint who has walked with the Lord many years. He loves the Lord. 
and desires to know Christ. He's been committed to a local body of believers his entire life. He displays the fruit of the Spirit. He has stumbled at times. He has fallen at times. He has drifted at times. But each time the body reached out to him and cared for him and kept him on track. He went through some good times where he was prone to get off the path and look at the good time rather than at Christ in the good time. And people cared for him and brought him back on track. Today he possesses a deep wisdom. Humility is a hallmark of his life. He influences others deeply, not by his position in his church, but with his character and his being. Why is he godly in pursuing Christ in his older age? He's committed to a local body of believers. He has received correction and rebuke. He has opened his life for care from others. He has submitted to leaders in difficult times. He seeks to worship faithfully. He has worked through some deep relational problems and in deep physical trials. He's developed a perseverance and character that is Christ-like due to accepting rebuke and encouragement. I won't give a name. Some of you may think of an individual that may be similar to the one I described. But it goes back to following Christ and interacting with the body. We need the local body. Now we'll close with several questions. Will you respond to God's word? Act in light of it. Will you simply choose to obey? As we do that, our lives grow in dependency upon Christ, in dependency upon others. And we are in the process then of being transformed from glory to glory as described in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, your consistency in working in our lives. We thank you that we can call you Father. Christ is our life and your spirit is at work within us, individually and as a body. We thank you too for the local body here at Roaring Brook, and we know that that is true many, many, many times in the world in which we live in other areas. We many times struggle and battle. And Father, sometimes we try to live as islands. But you've called us to be members of your body at large, but also you desire for us then to be committed on the local level. 
I know in my own life, Father, I've struggled with that, particularly in my younger years. And I know, Father, that there's others here at times have struggled. But may we be sensitive, Father, to you, to Christ, to the Spirit. When we wander and drift, not to throw up our hands and say there's no hope, but to humbly yield to you and come back on track. And when we're doing well, Father, may we be grateful for the grace that is at work in our lives to keep us on track. And Father, be our desire as a body to display being a body, caring for one another, body life, following leaders, encouraging one another, and so on. So that in our daily lives, we are sought light and ambassadors. And Father, may we as a body of believers also not be thinking everyone has to always be right and on track. But may we recognize that we stumble, we fall at times. And we're to come alongside others and to encourage and to build up and to restore. May we display that kind of body life. Because we need one another. And Father, as we are striving to be the body, we know that the world in which we live, unbelievers will note that we walk with you And there may be times where we have opportunity to share with them concerning Christ. May we be sensitive to those opportunities. Even as we think about Christ and what he has done, particularly at Easter, as we look at a portion of Scripture dealing with Christ and his life, in relation to Palm Sunday and then Easter, we have a cantata and we also look at what it means to be justified because of Christ's resurrection. May we be mindful to reach out to others that are unbelievers with love and concern and seek to share the message of Christ with them. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.